to Say That, podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. I'm gripped by World Cup fever, or I may just have a regular fever and the flu. One of those for sure, though. He's sweating and he is wearing shin guards, so it's hard to tell which it is. Also joined all the way from Archer, Tennessee by Lee Younger. Matt and I are the, in the same fantasy football league, but we're not playing each other, so we're very good friends this week. That's oh. right, and I'm everyone's friend in that fantasy football league because I am one and nine. <laughs> <laughs> one week, I didn't realize my starting quarterback was hurt, but it ended up not mattering because even if I had not had zero points in the starting quarterback position, I still would have lost by some 40 points. I think we know, Matt, that as long as you beat Carl, it's fine. That's true. We all have a Carl in our life. In our in our, <laughs> the case of our league, it's Carl, so it makes the metaphor very confusing. <laughs> so we start off this week with apologies for not being here last week. We could not get to put on the show, but we have a good reason for that. In my case, it's because I was reading the brand new, as I hold the camera to my, uh, my colleagues here, uh, the brand new cartoon book out from our friend Spike Davis called, Woo! and you will realize, um, yeah. those of you wondering, what th- this cartoonist, and Spike's a good friend of, of the show, he's a good friend of Jed and mine, he's a good friend of, of Bridge program that we volunteer with, he's a great man, he does a lot of good work here in Chicago. Um, the title of this book is Butt Dialed by Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> if that's not something that Say That can advertise, I don't know what it is. Yeah, that's right up our alley, man. You wonder, I listen to Say That podcast, will this book of cartoons have the same sensibilities? I give you the title, Butt Dialed by Jesus. So uh, I got an advanced reader copy, not for resale, with a stamp across it. So I was doing that last week instead of putting together a pod- podcast episode for you. Now you say, Matt, it took you an entire week to read a 150-page book, which is mostly single-panel cartoons. And to that I say, shut up. <laughs> it was a good you school system me. in East Tennessee, but it was still a Tennessee public school. I'm doing the best <laughs> I can. Any, if anybody takes... If anybody takes good comedy seriously, it's one Matthew King. That's right. And good comedy it is. Uh, all cartoons from our friend Spike with a spiritual church slant. He's a good man. Uh, you can check out the book for yourself on Amazon. I will put the link in the episode description here. It also occurs to me that maybe um, giving, even as a joke, the fact that the reason you didn't get the podcast you like last week is because of this book may not be the best marketing anyone's ever done, but eh, here know. we are. It also occurs to me that my day job is in marketing. So I'm never more hoped that no one from work listens to this show. As I just admitted, <laughs> I'm not that great at marketing. And sometimes I have a hard time reading. <laughs> Maybe not the strongest start, but we move on. We will be back next week uh, with our regular format, answering your questions. But because we took an extra week off, that meant an extra week for Christians to do nonsense, meaning we have oh, no. an all-emergency Say That episode. Oops, all-emergencies. Oops, all-emergencies. That's right. Now, that, it really was an interesting time in the 90s when they, in order to put more sugar in cereal, they had to be like, we have to pretend, it's a, we have to pretend it was an accident. <laughs> the oops, all marshmallows, lucky charms. Now they're just like, we made Wendy's Frosties into cereal. Eat it. (laughs) You'll die anyway. You might as well die happy. (laughs) Wow. They're uh, the nihilist marketing agency that General Mills uh, started is really 
Well, no one can say they're not bold. <laughs> Life is suffering. Have some cereal. <laughs> in the in the 90s, the idea was just like, if you just say the, the name of the cereal with like an octave interval, cookie crisp. Yeah. Sure. And that, that got away with it. Tomorrow we die. <laughs> in a pre-social media smartphone world in which you were just bombarded by ads at all time, a legitimate advertising strategy was make the jingle really annoying so you can't forget it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so uh, we start off with not an emergency necessarily, but maybe a holiday saving tip from your friends here at Say That. It's our gift to you. That's right. This episode right. will be coming out. The day before Thanksgiving here in the U.S., so maybe you're listening on your travels home. Maybe you're uh, stealing an hour and a half, even though it's very cold, to go outside and go for a long walk because none of the people you're related to are on that walk, and yeah. you're taking us in your headphones, and we're glad to be there That's with it. you. We certainly are there in spirit. We get it. Grab, grab a sister Schubert's rolls, throw in your AirPods, and hit the road. That's exactly right. So to that point, we we were uh, in an off in an off rec- off podcast conversation, which we do have those. Believe that, gentle listener, we are friends in real life. Um, we were talking about a strategy that could be used around Thanksgiving time with your relatives mm-hmm. who take this uh, warm familial holiday to just espouse their most vile and annoying opinions. Yeah. About yeah. politics, about society, about faith, these kind of things. And we're sure that you, like us, have tried politely ignoring them. You've tried uh, not so politely ignoring them. You've tried uh, changing the subject. You've tried just turning up the volume on the TV until you can't hear them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> these are all uh, valid strategies. But if you're looking for something a little different this year... Maybe you're ready to make the shift from passive-aggressive to aggressive-aggressive. Um, mm. Your friends at the Set Podcast uh, are pitching an idea that you're welcome to try out in the field or not, and that is agreeing with your relative, but doing it without any equivocation or like language softening the thing they actually believe. Just saying yep. it in the starkest terms you can and seeing if doing that will make them back off it. Yeah. yeah, I also believe that's right. The problem is people with skin color different than me get to vote too much and it's killing the country. <laughs> right, Aunt Gladys? Well, now you look all shocked, Aunt Gladys. That's pretty much what you said. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Uncle yeah. Frank. Shooting everyone is definitely the answer. That's Absolutely. why you carry that thing on your belt, right? I, too, believe that teachers cannot be trusted to teach children without indoctrinating them into some unholy left-wing conspiracy, but they can be trusted with AR-15s. <laughs> I think that's great. It's kind of, a, kind of a judo thing where you just really put it up there and see if you can, see if you can outrun them on their way. <laughs> I think you know, there's a moment of you know you're, you're waiting around the, the dinner table and I, I think if it's if it's me I think there's kind of a moment of, of, of people kind of test the waters of you know uh, you know 
I'm going to put out something a little crazy, see if I can get away with it, you know, a little crazy. And, and I think part of the judo move here is to, is to, to jump, you know, several, uh, notches, right? So like uncle Frank is there and, and, um, you know, and he's, he's already had, you know, one bush light too many. And it's, uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, people, they, the problem, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you the problem in our society. Okay. Nobody wants to work hard anymore. That's the problem with our society. All these people, these takers, they want things. That's that's the problem with our society, okay? So that's where Uncle Frank is. And it's one of these kind of things of like, we all know where this is headed. We're, we can we can track the logic. Like, you're wrong. You're bad. This is really crappy stuff for you to be saying. But you're not yet to the point of like, we need to ask you to leave because, you know, I mean, you're not far from it. But you you're you're clearly testing the waters to see, you know, what what can Uncle Frank um, get get away with here? And so I think the, the thing is to jump several rungs in in one go. Say, oh, Uncle Frank, you're speaking the gospel truth right now. Anyone who can't immediately prove their utility society should just be burned for fuel for the rest of us. I'm just talking full on <laughs> right. Soylent Green. Like, let's do it. Let's get it going right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Some of these terrible people, they buy a house that they can't afford. Like they, they just make payments on it for like 30 years. It's terrible. <laughs> Shouldn't be in debt. <laughs> yes. If I can give you a, an anonymized real life, uh, version of this that I wish I had pulled several years ago, there was an uncle in this case, we'll just call him uncle Frank who was giving some odious, uh, right wing opinion about something or other. And, uh, when he saw the looks on the rest of our faces, he thought he would try to backpedal from this by describing himself and saying, well, I'm a capitalist. And at this point, this man was in bankruptcy. So here's the thing, you're not a capitalist because wow. you don't have any capital. By definition, yeah. to be a capitalist, you have to own some kind of mean of production. <laughs> Uncle Frank, you're an uncapitalist. You're the inversion of a capitalist. You are a non-capitalist. Yes, you rent your home, lease your car, and are in debt. You are, you are an anti-capitalist, but not in the way that I am. What I... <laughs> This happened this week, and I, and I I think I texted Matt about this, but uh, we were in the you know in the process for my daughters of trying to acquire some Taylor Swift tickets, and one of my precious daughters says to me, "Why don't they just look at the the Spotify stats and see who has listened to Taylor the most, and let those people purchase the tickets first because obviously we des- deserve them," and I was like, "Oh my precious flower." <laughs> Oh, my dear friend, I don't know what world you think you live in. <laughs> and also, Oak Ridge High School, I think we have failed to describe capitalism. <laughs> what I love about that is it's such a wonderful kind of link into not only um, the way capitalism, you know, exploits certain uh, inefficiencies and rewards only uh, gross uh, hoarding of resources. It doesn't reward any, anything like en- enjoyment of art or anything like right, that. Exactly. But what I also love about it is it shows how quickly people will just accept like a nightmare, uh, technology panopticon in order to get what they want. Like, why <laughs> didn't they make an algorithm that judges everyone's Spotify and tells them what concert tickets they can buy? <laughs> and if you shoot down from that for a second, you're like, Oh, that sounds horrible. But we don't, there's, there's some set of concert tickets that in the moment we would all make that trade for. That's yeah. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you can take fair. all my privacy as long as I get to go to this show. Yeah. 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 That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. 
also we we record on a on a time delay so maybe it's happened by now we certainly hope so if taylor swift fans end up destroying ticketmaster i will take back every time i rolled my eyes when a taylor swift song came on for the 15th time in a row because <laughs> it will literally have all been worth it and yeah. they're reasonably fine songs they're a little oversaturated but every bit of the the fandom um about taylor swift that i find a little bit manufactured because you know million dollar stake in the in the record company sure. that her dad bought a little bit of faking a southern accent for someone from pennsylvania on those first couple of records all all is fine and forgiven and i am officially a swifty if they destroy Ticketmaster. yes yes trust bust that mug and matt king is in for life that's right well he, he here is my off of what you're saying. Here's the new thing that I want. It's my new happy place. I assume you both know it's pretty old now, but the big Taylor hit you belong with me. Oh, yeah. indeed. Right. So, um, exact same melody and everything, except on the hook, you know, you belong with me. Now the lyric is we're seizing the means seizing sure. the me. Oh, wow. Of and it becomes, uh, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. It becomes a communist <laughs> anthem. I am here for that. Taylor, if you're listening, call me. Let's do this. Wow. Let's cut a communist anthem. Well, to that point, let's let's combine this with our Thanksgiving uh, strategy here. Because here's the thing about Uncle Frank. Somehow, even though Taylor Swift is a multimillionaire capitalist, you know, mega capitalist corporation organization, because she like did one interview she was like marsha blackburn's insane it would be bad to vote for her don't do that uncle frank thinks she's a socialist Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. she much like you at dinner should lean into that and just go ahead (laughs) and make a very uh country country pop version of capital volume one (laughs) because they because all of her listeners would buy it and now we're getting now we're getting somewhere you Dude, were I'll, Karl I'll Marx. T- I was Friedrich Engels, and my daddy said, "Stay away from capital." <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'll I'll follow Taylor to the barricade, man. <laughs> There's a lot about the pr- process of manufacturing wool coats in this Taylor Swift record, but Pitchfork still gave it eight out of ten. So you know, Max Martin can produce anything, guys. Absolutely, Max Martin's a genius, and. From Sweden, therefore, inherently socialist. So I think we should get on board with this. <laughs> well, okay. So in the spirit of what we're suggesting with, with holiday dinner, right? Like, and this has been one of the great finds the last few years is realizing people who are on some, some pretty uncool stuff will listen to bands and not know that's what they're about, right? So like, you know, people that are um, on really uncool stuff, but they'll listen to Rage Against the Machine with no sense of like, Zach De La Roche is not on your side, bro. Like they are, they're not on what you're on. Mr. Right? Ryan, Representative Ryan, you are the machine. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. You are exactly the machine he meant, personified. That he's raging against. So similarly, and, and it's going to take a little work to, to do this, but I, I think it's worth the investment to pull this off, right? Like one of the things that I, I ask people all the time because I, I work in music is I'm like, man, you know, what are you even listening to lately? Like I, I will ask absolutely anybody, like what's what's in your Spotify? What's one of the last songs you heard that you really enjoyed? Just because it's a cool way to get to know people and, you know, almost everybody's got a song that they like and, you know, and it's it's a good way for me to keep, you know, touch with things. But like 
If you've got some crib notes of just, for example, Max Martin's from A Socialist Country, you know, somebody would be like, oh, I, I, you know, I like that Katy Perry song. It's pretty good. I was like, oh, that's great. You know, it's produced by a guy named Max Martin. He's real talented. Oh, that's, that's cool. He's a huge socialist, by the way. Just putting that out there. And then just stop talking. Just let that hang in the air. And if they don't know how to respond, it's pretty cool that you're so open-minded, able to, you know, appreciate socialism music like that. I think that's, I think that's very big of you. I love the turnabout of this because it, it kind of goes ahead and beats the, the kind of Fox Newsifies impulse to just quantify anything that this, that you don't like as communism or socialism or whatever, regardless of what, like when they accuse Nike of being socialist because LeBron James or whatever, a real thing. Um, wow. but just going ahead and jumping that around to whatever they like. Yeah. Is socialism. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I dug that new Marvel movie too. Uh, you know, uh, Jack Kirby, huge anti-fascist. Huge, huge. <laughs> Literally, and this is a real story, best I can tell, because Jack Kirby, who uh, co-created your Captain America, your Fantastic Four, um, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, amazing artist in the kind of the prime of the Marvel stuff, um, was also a Jewish gentleman, lived in New York, and he put uh, a lot of that into the, uh, the the work. And apparently, when they put out the original Captain America comic, the cover of which is him punching Hitler. There were a bunch of American Nazis because America had the second most number of Nazis. Yeah. The second largest Nazi rally in the world was in Madison Square Garden. So that's your horrifying historical fact for the day. It's true. I literally have millions of them. Um, But uh, so they thought that a bunch of these gentlemen decided we don't like Hillary getting punched. So we're going to go down to the Marvel studio and somebody, we're here to see Jack Kirby. So they called up and Kirby was like, just go, I'll be right down. (laughs) <laughs> by the time he got there none of them were there anymore because they're cowards but he was just gonna go fight them all wow yeah so yeah never let anybody tell you that comic books didn't teach you anything because jack kirby's <laughs> incredibly awesome and it's it was, and then is that a long long trip from thanksgiving yes it is but that's podcasting baby that's how yeah, we do you're welcome around here that's right and now we get into the meat of an emergency palooza, let's Ooh. look at some Christian nonsense. Woo! And there's no better place to start with Christian nonsense than Bob Jones University. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, we're gonna, don't worry, we're not spending too much on any of these. We're gonna, we're gonna a quick hit here. Um, this is from uh, Julie Roys, who's a, a very good investigative reporter. There's a lot of stuff with uh, uh, goings on in the church and Christian culture and kind of uh, a lot of scandal therein, but uh, the title of the, her article from November 11th, Bob Jones University Board May Out President for Relaxing Fundamentalist Practices. <laughs> so you hear that and you think, well, what's he doing? Is he, you know, doing the kind of stuff we're talking about? Does everybody have walking around with blue hair and reading a copy of the Communist Manifesto? Well, here, here are the complaints. The alumnus who talked to board members said Pettit, I guess is the guy's name, had been criticized for the style of worship music played at the student chapel services. Immodest clothing worn by female athletes, questionable performances and music selection from the fine arts program, and even Pettit's participation in a bluegrass music band. (laughs) Wow. Now, all of those are obviously insane, but you know how 
insanely extra fundamentalist Baptist you got to be to be like, I don't trust bluegrass. Dude. <laughs> Dude. And that, we need to break some of this down, Matt, for our international listeners. Because that is an extra level of insane. Yes, bluegrass kind of pre-2007, I don't know, whenever Nickel Creek's first record came out, is a musical genre that is almost entirely white people singing about Jesus in some form or another. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like in churches in the hills from like 1946 to 2006, just like the most buttoned up white churchy thing you can possibly imagine. Yes, it is. When you, if you are not from the southeastern United States, and you think you, and if you equate the banjo with country music, you're actually a little off because the banjo is a bluegrass instrument. Yes, it is. Yeah, they, they like until the Cohen brothers gotten got a hold of Homer. The only people that knew about bluegrass music were white Christians in the hills. Yeah, yeah. and uh, as Lee and I know from our uh, good friend Tom, um. Uh, some a few people in Italy. There you go. <laughs> when Tom and Tina went to Italy, yeah, that's right. There was like a little bluegrass festival or something. I, I have I'm, pulled up. Go ahead. Go for it. I have pulled up a listing of, uh, and I have nothing to do with this list. I love bluegrass, but the top twenty bluegrass songs of all time. Hey, and number six. I'm not making this up. From a man named Bill Monroe, who's a big star in that world. Titled, I'm not making this up, I'll Meet You in Church Sunday. The song is called, I'll Meet You in Church Sunday. And in case you're wondering, like, maybe it's like a double fake and like, you know, church is the name of a bar. Because no, no, he literally means church, like the place you go to learn about Jesus. I'll meet you there on Sunday. What about Wednesday, Jed? Doesn't sound very committed to me. <laughs> One of the most famous, another famous Bill Monroe song is called Working on a Building. I'm a working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord, for my Lord. This is an entirely steeped in the fundamentalist Christian genre of music. Yet still suspect. All that to say, this Bob Jones thing is insane. Yeah, that's like, I, we cannot stress to you enough how much we find the fact that he plays bluegrass. Like, this is one of those, he, prob- he probably hasn't budged on, they don't allow dancing. Right. But he were like, I saw someone tapping their foot to that bluegrass, and that's close enough for me. It's one of those things, like, I grew up in the Baptist church, so... There was a great old joke in the Baptist church, which was, um, which I don't know if, if Matt, if you've ever heard this, having not grown up in the Baptist church, but do you know why Baptist churches don't allow, uh, 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 you know, like sex um, in, you know, like a, like uh, for uh, a newlywed couple to be, you know, talked about or, or anything like that. So it'll get them thinking about dancing. Yeah, that's right. Sex is too much like dancing. That's yeah, the whole something thing. about yeah, at least dancing. Yeah, and these are the people who have a problem with this guy being in a bluegrass band. Yeah, exactly. The one other oh, thing in this Jones. article before we move on from it. So he he put out a thing to, or somebody put out a thing to defend uh, this guy's leadership, which whatever. But here was their list of things of like we're still sticking to the fundamentals. Has 
Bob Jones University, and I'm only going to make this joke once. It's not really a joke. It's just an observation. In their own copy, this is not uh, the blogger. This is not me. They have abbreviated this every time in what I'm about to read, BJU. <laughs> that feels like entrapment <laughs> on some level. So I'll just be saying the full name. Has Bob, has Bob Jones University abandoned its commitment to six-day creationism or its opposite, opposition to evolution? Has Bob Jones University softened its opposition to immorality, homosexuality, or, or transgenderism? Has Bob Jones University altered its biblical stance on male headship in the home and church? Has Bob Jones eroded its emphasis on the substitutionary penal atonement of Christ? Has Bob Jones University shifted its stance on the inerrancy of Scripture, the existence of a literal hell, and the exclusivity of the Christian gospel? The clear answer to each of these questions is a resounding no. Now, here's the thing I need you to know, dear listener and my co-host. I read that list in the order they put it in. Yeah. Number five, the inerrancy of Scripture. Right. Number four, (laughs) the substitutionary penal atonement of Christ. Number one, six-day creationism. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh. Good times. Yeah. And that leads me to one, one I know I said last one, this is one just small detail. And just when you, whenever I read these things, there's often a character or a personality who we don't get a lot of detail about, but just enough detail to make me want to have an extended conversation with that person. And there are very few people in the Bob Jones University orbit that I want to have an extended conversation with. But this gentleman is one of them. I have no idea what, he's, what he has to do with the story, but it mentions this is just the detail given. David Friedman is a third-generation Bob Jones University, again, they abbreviate it, alum who recently completed a law degree from the School of Law at Loyola University in Chicago. I am fascinated by this gentleman who did his undergrad at Bob Jones right, and his law degree at Loyola. At a Jesuit school in a Chicago. Jesuit school in Chicago. That here the implication I make when I say this part, dear listener, Loyola is a real school. Yeah. Like it's a quite a good school. Yeah. Yep. I'm again, that's that's just I bet he had a lot of interesting adjustments to make. <laughs> on that, we will move on to our next story. And this takes us to a uh, this is a bit of a a say that follow up. You may remember some weeks, some weeks and months back, we talked about a Brooklyn pastor who got robbed of about a million dollars in jewelry on a live stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here is, I don't know, if, I think this has happened after that, but uh, this, is, this comes from churchleaders.com. I'm just going to give you the headline. Brooklyn pastor challenges comedian D.L. Hughley to boxing match, vows to knock him out, quote, in the name of Jesus. Sure. So apparently, uh, and we, as you will not be surprised, no, we are not the only ones who took uh, notice of the uh, inherent hilarity of a story of a uh, pastor getting robbed of a million dollars in jewelry during a live stream. Had some questions based on like, you know, where did you get a million dollars versus that? Uh, noted comedian and uh. The fourth best act, but still a very fun on the Kings of Comedy, but still very, very good. Um, D.L. Hughley uh, apparently noticed this as well. And uh, 
uh, Reverend Whitehead is this gentleman's name. Um, uh, threatened to find him and knock him out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In a subsequent live video, Whitehead said he would put up a million dollars for the fight. The whole thing was people <laughs> criticizing you and asking why you had a million dollars. This is not a good rebuttal. <laughs> well, and, and to that point, uh, apparently Healy's response, which is brilliant, is, quote, what pastor you know can put up a million dollars right now? Reading from the book of scamulations. Yeah. <laughs> a ah! fair point, Mr. Hughley. A very fair point. That's, that's just quality comedy is what that is. It's incredible. I just... I will say I do appreciate the weird just going straight to boxing thing. And I think it would be funny if more like mainline Protestants uh, denomination church pastors just went right to that gear trial by combat. Yeah. Like if Tim Keller was this, like somebody was like, I actually disagree with your exegesis of what, and there was, he just wanted to throw down. Yeah. 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 Well, one thing I wonder about, and it's not referenced in the article. And I imagine if it were true, it would be referenced. Like I'm, uh, I'm a lover, not a fighter, but, but I am aware from, from many friends and whatnot that like, dude, fighting is a skill. Um, right. If if you want to box, like it's that's not even about being in good shape. You need to train to do that because otherwise, man, that is not going to be a good experience. And like <laughs> I, right. I know, I know, there's this great American myth that like if you just get mad enough and indignant enough, you know, you can do anything. That's not true. Like, nope. don't don't pick fights that you're not qualified to have. Literal physical fist fights. That's a really bad idea. Yeah, there's a whole genre of like YouTube video, which is person came into a boxing school or tagged somebody online and talked a bunch of mess. And then they realized how bad an idea that was. And it's not a popular genre because the guy who uh, did all the talking uh, acquits himself well. <laughs> That's not what makes that comedy. Yeah. Also, if somebody says something about you and your retort is, I will just fight you, it just makes me believe that other person more. Yeah. yeah. Just the, the million dollars. Also, he really needs to work on a smack talk. Referring to Hughley, Whitehead continued, I call him Napoleon because I guess he's short, right? And he's got a Napoleon complex. And all he did was just come at me come at me and come at me with disrespectful tone. That's I, I, we need to just have this genre of dumb guy, not try to ape Donald Trump's speech patterns. Cause that's not yeah. coming up with a nickname. That's a Napoleon complex is just a name for a thing. Yeah. You know, I Google is, is a, a wonderful thing. So I Googled the height of Floyd Mayweather, who is certainly arguably um, the greatest boxer, uh, of all time and uh five eight my bank account he is my bank account he certainly is uh then i uh, googled the height of dl hughley he's five seven so um if if you're feeling like height is the thing that's going to get it done for you unless you're sure you could take floyd mayweather again this may not be the factor you think it is yeah yeah 
What I want to do, meet me in the ring, Whitehead said, addressing Healy directly, because y'all think you, you can walk over pastors. Let's set up a celebrity match. Me and you in the ring. Now, this I agree with him on in this way, um, because uh, boxing very much not at the popularity it has been in the American culture over the last, you know, 30 years, probably what, since Tyson was fighting. Um, however, <laughs> a full card of comedians versus celebrity pastors. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I like that. That's pretty funny, dude. Okay. So if we, let's just say for a second, we can make this happen. Who do we want? Like what, what lineups, what matchups are we shooting for here? Because I am intrigued. Well, you've got to do some like for like matching, right? Like this is, yeah, you've got your, your, your kind of, kind of your bombastic, um, high energy, folks here like who's the dude is kind of the loudmouth tough guy from seattle it's in arizona now driscoll driscoll obviously he's got to be one of the celebrity pastors but, yeah. but what's right. what's the right comedian to match up against mark driscoll well i'm uh bill burr that could work bill burr's that gonna be good work. i was gonna say dave Chappelle for two reasons okay one they're yeah. kind of in a similar track of like even the people who defended him at one point are now like, e. Yeah. He still yeah. talks to him. And also because Dave Chappelle is crazy jacked, and I think it'd be hilarious <laughs> for him to crack Mark Driscoll's dribs with a punch. Okay, that's good. And to that point, we might also nominate Joe Rogan as his opponent. Sure. Because, um, I mean, Rogan was a stand-up comedian at one point. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's in pretty darn good shape. So, I mean, this could work, man. This could, yeah. this could happen. That's totally. Funny, I'm going to say Osteen Seinfeld. Yes. Yep. I feel yes. like physically a very similar matchup there. Yep. Yeah. I like that a lot. Also, both like you think you know how rich they are, but you don't know how rich they are. They're richer than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's very, very good. So who's it, like... uh Matt, who's the really, really angry guy that's old, has the candy corn bit? Michael Lewis? Lewis Black. Wait. Lewis, Lewis Bla Black. Uh, Lewis, Lewis Black versus Tim Keller. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. That's a very kind of very uh, opposites make styles make fights there as far as uh, levels of aggression. But also probably a very similar age, I'm thinking. Yeah. Should be about right. I love it. I think we just sold a pay-per-view, gentlemen. Absolutely. <laughs> I would sign up for that. I'm not going to lie. So I just thought of the, the, the thing I can't get out of my head right now is the like back when MTV used to do like a, they used to do like an like a program with like animation shorts. And one yeah, of them yeah. was like celebrity the, death uh, match. the celebrity death match, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and the claymation celebrity death match. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. I'll never forget whoever they did. Whoever they had doing Christopher Walken was so great. In that episode, yeah, I think the the main event's got to be Stephen Furtick versus Floyd Mayweather. Both yes. very small gentlemen, <laughs> and both people who insist on talking about how rich they are at every yes. conceivable sign. The only Dude. problem with that is, and it would be the only time Floyd Mayweather would be the babyface for the rest of his career. <laughs> wow, which he might enjoy. Yeah, that's that's my new happy place. Well, speaking of happy places, let's move on to our next story here. This also from JulieRoyce.com. 
Uh, televangelist Benny Hinn served lawsuit while preaching. <laughs> that would suck, dude. <laughs> Incredible. If you Wait, first of all, I know first sometimes all, in this show we're tough on pastors, we're tough on preachers. <laughs> we have many who listen. No, your worst day in the pulpit was not this bad. Yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> question: Have you? And I'm talking to the host. Have you guys seen the uh, the video where um, Benny Hinn is uh, slaying people in the spirit, but they they superimpose a lightsaber on him, and then and the music in the background is "Let the Bodies Hit the Floor." Oh no! Yeah. And it's like he has the he has the Palpatine oh. lightning. A YouTube classic, dude. dude. Oh gosh, what a great! It's just just one of those moments where you're just like, internet, you rock, man. Yep. <laughs> A California Let pastor and owner of a Spanish-speaking television network has sued televangel- televangelist Benny Hinn. Hinn was served lawsuit while performing at a, quote, miracle service. The exchange can be viewed on YouTube. Yeah. If your thing is that you're, you're a doer of miracles and a, a bit of a prophetic voice, uh, not being able to avoid the process server on stage is not going to add credibility to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's dude. It's the Elliot Gould line from uh, from uh, Ocean's Twelve, where the the, uh, the Terry Benedict comes in while he's talking to his his psychic, and he says, "Dis, you couldn't see this coming." <laughs> yeah. Also, and again, we all three of your your friendly neighborhood say that hosts here have had to recover while being on stage from something very unexpected happening. Yeah, certainly. Um, Jed has had people try to storm the stage while he was leading worship. True. Um, I've had uh, things break and fall over while I'm preaching. Lee has had similar things, particularly in like youth environments and uh, behind bars. There's always ne- uh, weird noises and commotion going on. Right. And there's a skill to, yes, it happens. We're acknowledging, we're refocusing, we're moving on and kind of keeping that wheeling. I've got to be honest. I don't know how you pull out of this particular nosedive. <laughs> yeah, that's that's rough, man. That's rough. Yeah, if you if you don't have the Palpatine lightning, it's not going <laughs> to go well for you. Like, Pastor Hen, how are you going to expel disease from the bodies of the faithful if you can't expel this dude with the paperwork from your service? Yeah. That's just that's just not wildly helpful. That brings us to a couple of quick hitters from uh from the Twitter drafts that we're gonna work through here. Um this one's delightful, and it we can talk about it now because um the uh midterm election here in the United States is over, meaning uh those of us who like to watch live sports on Saturday get a, a brief respite from every ad being a political ad mm-hmm, right. about how the Democratic candidate for governor of Illinois is going to personally break into my house because he just loves crime so much, which is about the level we were on there. I'm just trying to watch two Mac teams that I will forget exist tomorrow play at three o'clock in the afternoon, as is my right as an American. That's I don't right. want to hear about how the congressional candidate. For a place I don't live, I just happen to be in the same television area as wants to indoctrinate my non-existent children into hating being white or whatever (laughs) these ads are about. But one of the last ones to be called uh, was the 
race for governor of the state of Arizona. Um, there was, uh, and it was in because of some uh, quirks in Arizona election law and how they count the ballots and do the uh, the mail-ins and the early voting and all that stuff. It gone for a little while. Very competitive race. And uh, this is from uh, the Twitter user Ron Filipkowski. It appears that Cary Lake supporters have completed their March of Jericho around the Maricopa Ballot Counting Center and are now blowing a shofar. Oh, my word. It was on 11 on the 12th of November. Um, I don't know that you guys picked up what that story was about. (laughs) (laughs) And also, here's my thing about this. Of all the kind of... Old Testament weird things to try to semi uh, recreate. Um, is it a great choice to pick the one that you know you did it right because walls literally start falling down? <laughs> right. I thought y'all liked walls. Yeah, yeah, like you could. Well, you could have like said a prayer or just blown the show far or something. Be like, we got them. Like, if you do the Jericho thing right, you can see it. Right. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's fast acting. Like, did they think like this the Maricopa ballot counting center was going to collapse when they got lap seven? You know, it, you really intrigued me. Now, I would love to have been able to be there and kind of talk with folks who are involved with this. But like, no judgment. But like, what is this to you? Like, what? Yeah. How, how do you see this playing out? Like, and you, you clearly you you took time out of your day and. You know, it's it's hot in Arizona, so you're walking around in the heat, you know, you're getting all sweaty, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're, you know, it, it took something out of you to do this. What do you see coming out of this? Mm. I would yeah. love to know the answer to that. Like, did you think that you would finish lap seven, you blow the shofar, and the the wall closest to you at the Maricopa County Ballot Counting Center would just crumble, and inside would be like, you know the scene in The Simpsons where the where the side of Lenny's house fall off, falls off, and it's just him in his underwear, and he just goes, "Don't tell people how I live." <laughs> just kind of that. It would just be like yeah. one sad guy filling out ballots on his own, and be like, "Oh no, you caught me." Yeah. Well, here, here's one other thought on this, like, because this is just kind of hitting me in waves. Like, let's say that you had a candidate that you just really, really believed in. You're like, this is the person we need. This is the leader that's going to, you know, take us to, to where we need to go, which, okay. Uh, you know, I, I super, super, super don't agree with you, but like, let's just suppose you, you, you feel that way. You, you do know that the effort that you've put after the election into whatever this is, you could have put that effort before the election into talking to your neighbors and attempting them to convince them to see your vision of why your candidate is best. What? Jed, for some reason, when I talk to my neighbors about my political beliefs, they always run the other way. It's probably <laughs> an issue with them. <laughs> it's just like there there are steps you probably could have taken that might have a slightly higher chance of getting the outcome you wanted. Uh, just just we're thinking about, man. Here's my question from a logistics standpoint from here. Which came first? The idea to do the Walls of Jericho march around the Ballot County Center or someone showing up with a shofar? 
<laughs> did someone have the idea of, hey, we could do this? And then they thought, we're going to need a shofar. And they sent Terry home to get one. <laughs> or did were they just sitting around going like, uh, I don't know what we're going to do today. We got the chance, but you know, and the, and Terry's like, I brought a shofar. And someone's like, that gives me an idea. <laughs> but does he just have it in his, in his Ford yeah. F-150? Yes. yes. You, you guys know, I've told you before, I've always got the shofar. I'm ready to go. Jimmy's got a shofar. <laughs> well, it's like Andre. I've always got that thing on me. And in this case, that thing is it's a shofar. It's a shofar. It's a ram's horn. <laughs> <laughs> ready to be ready to be blown like a trumpet. Okay, so one of the really important fields, one of the things that theologians ponder that I think actually really matters is what is the character of the Lord God? Like what mm-hmm. what is God like? And you know, it's clear both from, from scripture and just from thinking about it that that the mind of God is unknowable. It is his thoughts are, are higher than our thoughts. But but one thing that I think this story proves is the patience of the Almighty. Because how tempting did it have to be where this crew of folks, they finish their walk and they blow their ram's horn. How tempting did it have to be for God to materialize on the mortal plane, big white beard and everything, and just say, no, no. <laughs> like, I, I hear you. I hear you, but but no. No. And then just vanish back into heaven. How tempting. The fact that God did not do that speaks volumes about the patience of God. It, it's the it's it's the it's the moment in the Holy Grail when he says, um, it's like those miserable psalms. They're, They're so, so depressing. depressing. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> We're averting our eyes, oh Lord. We'll stop it. <laughs> Well, Jed, I think you make a strong point. Now, as they say, the Lord moves in mysterious ways, and uh, their candidate did lose. Yeah. So that might be mm. a, a hint from the Almighty that this was Maybe. not a particularly convincing gesture. But, Jed, I'm glad you brought up uh, the the kind of eternal and ongoing uh, quest to understand the mind of the Almighty, to to walk in the in the shoes of the divine a man's quest for that from uh, artists, intellectuals, philosophers throughout the ages. Um, we have another chapter in that story. To talk about here. This is uh, a headline from entertainment weekly. Finally, a video game that lets you play as Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I, I think we may have talked about this before, like several months back when it was like just a one uh, one shot of like they're gonna do this, but did we talk um, about this before? It's insane. Or there, or maybe somebody else tried it. But even if we did, there's, there's a a video game apparently being released called "I Am Jesus Christ," yeah. which is described in the copy, and I may have brought up as the world's first Jesus simulator. <laughs> so I think we did I talk about this. Just when it, we just saw the image, and obviously at the time, mused on. What would that even be? Like, how do you make that a video game? And we have, I'm not going to say we have answers, but we have an idea of what they're doing here. This is again from Entertainment Weekly. As Jesus, players can use telekinesis to enhance their carpentry skills, charge up their, quote, Holy Spirit energy, unquote, to perform miracles, invigorate a wedding reception by turning water into wine, 
teleport inside a sick child's bloodstream for healing, oh, gosh. and avoid a ball of hellfire that is Satan in the deserts. Dude, when 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 I first saw this, I, it was a it was one of these days where it was it was my day to pick up uh, my fourteen year old son from his middle school, and um, and his his best friend's parents were out of town, so we were we were picking up his his best friend as well. They were in the car. We're headed back to the house, and I was like, "Guys, you're not going to believe this thing I saw on Twitter today. They're making a like a a first person player video game, like kind of an open world deal." Um, where you play as Jesus Christ, and these two fourteen-year-old boys were like, "Oh no, that no, dude, that that's just wrong, man. No, that's just no. That's a look. I, I'm just telling you, that's that. No one should know that that's wrong." <laughs> Do you think that? But did you tell them about the part where you they get to enhance their carpentry skills? Via telekinesis, which I'm not, is more of an X-Man thing than a Jesus thing, really? I, I did tell them, I was like, yeah, I think your HP is like, your your HP bar is like Holy Spirit power. And they were like, just stop, stop, it's just blasphemy, this is wrong. Yeah, however, I feel like this, this could be salvaged with a, a fair bit of leaning into it. Okay. Like... Obviously, it's blasphemy. We're starting there. That's you know, that's was that's that's going to happen. We've this. There's millions of lines of computer code. I think this may be the most graven image anyone has ever created, <laughs> just by the number of frames that will be in this. Graven with ones and zeros. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Right. There it is. But I'm saying Holy Spirit energy, but it is HP. So. You kind of Mortal Kombat style uh, throw doves at your uh, attackers. <laughs> yeah. Like, is this, is this whole thing really even worth it? If there is a kind of an alternative story mode, we're in the Garden of Gethsemane. You get to choose, no, unleash the Legion of Angels. Well. Let's do this thing. <laughs> yep. Now that's a video game. Yeah, because in every like, you know, like if you if you play like a a first person player uh, long form story Star Wars game, you get to kind of choose if you're going to be on the light side, the dark side, you know. So you might have the red lightsaber or the blue lightsaber. You might have the lightning or not, uh, depending on how you treat people, with what kind of compassion you deal with side side quests and stuff like that. So if you were to just go off on this, what what would happen? Do they have do they have code written for like just somebody going rogue with the mission of Jesus? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's isn't that kind of I'm not a big video game guy, but isn't that kind of the point? Like that's what separates it from the source material of like material of like a book or a movie is the ability to kind of make different choices than the than that and spin things in their own way. You know, maybe Maybe the uh, the uh, money changer scene doesn't end at turning tables over. That's right. Maybe he picks up those tables and starts flinging them at people. Um, maybe, you know, the temptation in the desert, a good one. Is it really, is that a video game scene if you don't get the option to choose oh, all the realms of Earth? That does sound good. I guess I'll make <laughs> some bread. <laughs> Negotiating with Satan. 
Okay, so the game is going to be available for purchase on Steam, which is kind of a, a big online platform for buying video games. And and I found the Steam listing, and <laughs> man, there is just I'm, I'm going to send it to you fellas right now. It's delicious. There is there is a lot here, but I've taken the time to um, you know review some of their graphics and their clips, and and I don't mean this unkindly. I'm I'm not a gamer, but I, I do enjoy playing you know games from time to time, and this looks suspiciously like Skyrim, which is a game that premiered more than 11 years ago. And I, I really like that we are now applying what Christians have done historically with music to video games, where we take something that was really popular a decade ago, and now we're doing the, the Christian version of it. Sure. So, right. I, I have looked up the the best video games of 2011. I, I have them in, in front of me. And what I'm wondering is, how can we Christianize uh, the following selections? Because clearly that's, that's what we're, we've Christianized Skyrim. That's, that's what we're doing here. Sure. So, for example, also in 2011, Minecraft. How do we Christianize Minecraft? I, I leave it to the floor. Well, my understanding of Minecraft, because I'm A, not a gamer of any stripe, I don't own a video game system, but also I think I'm too old to understand what Minecraft is yeah. and why it's entertaining, but I understand that you you kind of build stuff. Yep. So I, it's got to be like a missionary game, right? Oh, that's good. Building that's good. The, the, the hospital in the third world country and whatnot. What I'm hearing, yeah. this is brilliant. You take a game like Sid Meier's Civilization, where you do have to like you know build settlements in a town and all that stuff, but but it's but it's missions. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah but because good. white Christians have built it, there's like if you do a thing like talk to the people who already live there, learn about the local <laughs> customs. You don't get any points for that. <laughs> it's all it's all a, a a taking pictures and writing fundraising letters mini game. Wow. <laughs> well, Dude, and then you have then you have the fundamentalists where it's like the it's going to be about, you know, building the ark. Oh, that's good too. That's that's yeah, also and very good. You're 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 building the ark, you're building the tower of babel. And and never mind the fact that they got in trouble for the tower of babel. We just build that anyway because it's just a bible story. That's good. That's very good. We well, you know the great thing is right, when in, you know, in the Old Testament, there's all these very technical detailed descriptions of the temple and how it's supposed to be. Yes, dude. It's a it's a temple building game. That's the yes. only thing that you can build in this. It's your, temple your, craft. <laughs> your unit of measure is cubits. That's right. That's right. That's the only unit of measure in the whole game. Oh, well, and in classic kind of Christian Christianization of something fashion. My understanding is that Minecraft is about building your own thing and designing it and be very customizable. In the in the Christian version, everybody builds the same one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you right. do it well, you get an ephod. That's like the, <laughs> the thing you uh, unlock in game. <laughs> Lee, I'm glad you mentioned Noah's art because like on on the Steam link that uh, Jed sent us, I clicked the developer's name, and they made a couple other things. Uh, a something called Moon Farming. Uh, something called Jungle House. These both seem to be similar kind of simulator things. But there's also one coming in 2023, Noah's Ark. Welcome to Noah's Ark, a realistic simulator game inspired by stories from Genesis of the Bible. Who could have Now it's time this? to be like Noah and build a famous vessel, save, hunt, 
in parentheses, animals and survive during the biggest flood ever. Are you ready for the challenge? Hunt? I think we may have also talked about this. Oh my goodness. Which actually just sounds like, uh, it, it sounds like a reskin of Oregon Trail. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Although I can't tell you how happy it would make me if their nose art game was a big budget AAA recreation of the Darren Aronofsky Noah movie from 2014. Like that would oh, be wow. incredible. Big water monsters. Yeah. Well, Jed, before you give us the next uh, hot game of 2011 for us to pick through here, I've scrolled down the Steam listing and found the reviews section for <laughs> I Am Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, it's not out yet, so there are no reviews, but they pulled uh, they pulled some quotes from the press they've gotten. Um, Experience Jesus miracles firsthand, IGN. That's like, not a glowing review, but that's that's positive, that's something. A new computer game called I Am Jesus Christ will allow gamers to roleplay as the Good Shepherd himself, New York Post. That doesn't even have anything quantitative. There's no yeah. exclamation point, it's just kind of inscription. The last one, I Am Jesus Christ video game causes stir, Fox News. That's not, that's not a review. It's not positive. Yeah. People, some people annoyed at thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, here I'll, I'll give us one more uh, of the best of video games from 2011 that we can Christianize. So I think I think this one is is fertile uh, soil, and it actually harkens back to an earlier discussion in today's episode. Dance Central Two. Um, Dance Central 2 Ooh. is a music rhythm game for the Xbox platform. It's the sequel to Dance Central. It was released in October of 2011. So it's all about, you know, moving in rhythm to the music and, you know, pattern matching. And, you know, other games like Dance Dance Revolution, very popular, you know, brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. Gentlemen, let's ruin it. Ooh. Obviously, okay. you want to go with some, like a worship, like a, you know, worship songs. Oh, yeah. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. Do we, do we want to go like liturgical dance central? I mean, you know, that's, that could be a thing. <laughs> okay. Here, here's my pitch for this one. Cause my you know, the dance dance revolution, I assume dance central is saying, you know, it's kind of the music plays and there's a set of movements you're supposed to make to it and kind of be yeah. in rhythm and hit the things. So for the Christian version, how still can you stand? <laughs> wow. For the three minutes while this music is playing. That's good. Oh I, I, the, the, the title that I just thought of was, Hymnal Hustle 2023. Oh, my Lord. That is the greatest thing that has ever happened. That (laughs) is triple A plus good, dude. You could give it to that, to the Hymnal Hustle uh, idea. You give it kind of a rock band element. There's an audio element as well, where you do that thing that kind of new people at a church do, where like you have to make enough noise to technically be singing. Yes. But you don't actually want to be heard. So it's kind of the... Oh, great. Is it like it's just kind of, but you have yeah, to? It's like, yeah, right. if you hit a full decibel, it peaks. <laughs> oh, Lord, my God. Yeah. Awesome yeah. Like, there's a little baby <laughs> Jesus in the side, and if you get too loud, he wakes up. <laughs> and it's a crossover with the game I Am Jesus Christ. That's right. It's a prequel. Well, actually, here's the punishment if you wake the baby Jesus. Now you have to play I Am Jesus Christ. It takes over your system. It's the only game you can play. (laughs) With Satan throwing fireballs at you. (laughs) The stakes are real, y'all. Yeah. (laughs) That is A, 
amazing and delightful. Go ahead, Lee. When I was just going to say, the other thing that, that happened when I told the two 14-year-old lads about the I Am Jesus Christ game was my 14-year-old son saying, I think at some point Jesus is just going to come back because the world is just too stupid. And Jack, I had to say, that's a very well said thing, my man. Yeah. He's just yeah. like, at one point is Jesus going to be like, all right, we're out. We're, we're, we're done here. <laughs> this is, this is just too dumb. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I like an interpretation of kind of a fundamentalist hellfire and brimstone um, revelation, but it's the version of it where Jesus isn't mad. He's just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> on that note we will declare a series of an, an episode long series of emergencies wow off wow what come on christians let's do better <laughs> what a journey it was we're all waiting for that day uh if you have a question for us we'll be back next week taking your questions you can send those into say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge slash ask Hey, maybe as Twitter continues to die, more people will be using Tumblr again. That'll be a weird, <laughs> weird switch for us. But if you're over there and you make an account, you can uh, ask us a question totally anonymously. And don't forget that you can, you can check out your own copy of Butt Dialed by Jesus by our friend Tim Spike Davis on Amazon. There's a link in the episode description. Uh, he's a good man. Very funny cartoons. Check it out. A good time had by all. We're gonna take out the song this week. It's, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take our own hymnal hustle on the way out. This is Lee's version of "Take My Life and Let It Be." Great hey. track. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Take my life and let it be. Consecrated, Lord, to It shall be no